You are now tuned in to the Students of the Bible broadcast with your host, Brother Kevin Keeter. So let's grab our Bibles and take a new look in the old book. What a joy it is today to be able to share with you a great sermon from another student of the Bible. Of course, I have the privilege to be able to travel just a little bit and get to meet several students of the Bible all throughout this land. And recently I was down in Milton, Florida, there in the Victory Baptist Church, there with Pastor Tim Florm during their Bible conference. And I heard this wonderful message uh, preached by Dr. James Knox uh, from Deland, Florida. Uh, James Knox has been uh, influential uh, in my life as a student of the Bible because he gives to me not his opinion, but he gives to us the Bible. And I greatly appreciate somebody that will do that. And I believe today you will hear a message directly from the Word of God as we hear this message preached back on April the 10th, 2023 by Dr. James Knox, A Miracle Within a Miracle. You better go ahead and get that seatbelt on because you're in for a ride. This is a wonderful message, and I'm sure it will be a great help to you uh, here today as we take a new look in the old book now with Dr. James Knox. Mark chapter 5 this evening, Mark chapter 5. I got saved in December of 1976, spent most every day since that time, at least some part of it, reading, studying the Bible. And I've just got to tell you that it's never, never become dull or tedious or boring. And people who've never read it say it's not the Word of God. I would say to you, uh, you ought to try reading it. Uh, there, you, you, you get any book in any library, you get any book in any bookstore, and you try to read it every day for 45 years and tell me that each time you read it, it's new, it's fresh, it's interesting. It, not a chance. Not a chance. This but strange thing about this book, the more you read and study the Bible, it gets smaller and bigger all at once. It, it, it becomes more neatly compacted together, and yet it just expands and expands and expands, and you, you try to reach for this and that and this and that, and, and one thing leads to another and to another. It's, it's amazing. It really is. It's the living Word of the living God. When I was a young Christian. I'd, I'd read through my Bible, and then I'd read through it the next time, and, and I would see something so profound, and I, honestly, I, I would go and, and get another Bible to make sure that it was in both of them because you couldn't have you couldn't have missed that that couldn't have been in the Bible when I read the Bible the first time because it's so great how could you miss it and yet that's still happening it's the, it's the decades and decades and decades of reading the Bible and you say I never saw that how could how could you not see that the book's alive I'm telling you it's alive it's the living the living word of the living God so what I'm going to do tonight if I've done this here before just do like our church and just either pretend like you didn't hear it or uh, maybe do better this time. But uh, this is the only place in the Bible I know of where there is a miracle inside of a miracle. There are lots of miracles discussed in the Bible, but only one place where 
the Lord, the Holy Spirit's given us an account of a miracle wrought by Jesus Christ, and within the tale of that miracle is the tale of another miracle. They're not, they're not set side by side, they're set one within the other. There's got to be a reason for that. There's got to be a purpose for it, and I, I think we can uh, see what it is this evening, or at least I hope we can. Let's read it together, and then we'll pray uh, and, and see what God will show us. The Bible says in Mark 5, 21, when Jesus passed over again by ship on the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him. And much people followed him and thronged him. So, so he's on the way to the home of Jairus uh, with the intent, we, we trust, uh, to heal Jairus' daughter. And verse 25, and a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years. So this woman interrupts the narrative of Jesus and Jairus. This woman interrupts the, the journey, if you will, the, 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 the path, if you will, of Jesus Christ on the way to Jairus' house. And the Bible says of this woman, uh, in verse 26, she had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her daughter, Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole to thy plague. While he had spake, there came from the rule of the synagogue's house. And so we pick up the narrative of Jairus and his daughter and her need of healing as though this woman had never been on the scene. She inserts herself into the story, and now she is gone, and we pick up where we left off. Uh, and they came and said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the rule of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and seeth the tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entereth in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha kumai, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of 12 years. Verse 25 the woman had an issue of blood 12 years. Verse 42, she was the age of 12 years. And they were astonished with great astonishment. Heavenly Father, help me, please, help me to speak the truth in love and to make these matters as clear to these men and women that come tonight as you made it in my heart. I pray they'd be a blessing to them as they have been to me. In Jesus' name, and amen. Okay, so this, this book that you have in, in your hands is very, it's very unusual book in this regard. 
If I, if I picked up my Bible right here at Matthew chapter 26, from, from Genesis 11, Genesis 12 to Matthew 26, that entire book is about a family that has synagogues and temples and scriptures and priests and altars and kings and prophets and words from God. And if you sought to find the history of your ancestors in any of that, you wouldn't find it. We are Gentiles. The Bible says we were alone in the world without hope and without God, strangers from the covenants, aliens, all, all of that. And you read in the book of Romans uh, that God gave them a, a law and, a, and an altar and a temple. And, and what did he give us? Kicked out of the garden, drowned in a flood, scattered to the Tower of Babel. No wonder your ancestors made idols and worshiped false gods. All, all our ancestors knew about the true God. He's pretty scary. And then, and then, here comes Jesus Christ, suffers and bleeds and dies upon a cross, builds his church, praise the Lord. And then, how's your Bible end? Well, no church. Great tribulation. You can stick around for it if you want to. I'm saved. I'm, get, I'm, I'm getting out of here. I've not been appointed under wrath. You want to hang around and enjoy the wrath? Help yourself. And, and, and this Bible ends up with the Lord fulfilling all the promises that he made to the nation of Israel. Now, you know what I have in, in, in Mark chapter number five? I have the story of a ruler of a synagogue whose daughter is going to die if Jesus Christ doesn't help her. And Jesus Christ gives that man to believe, I care about you, I care about your family, I care about your daughter, I am going to come and help her and I'm going to come to heal her. But on the way there, he gets interrupted by a woman who arrests all of his attention and occupies his power and his love and his grace and while he is dealing with that woman, it seems as though he's completely forgotten about Jairus and his daughter and their family. And yet, he hasn't. He's just going to take care of this woman on the way to Jairus' house. By the time he gets to Jairus' house, the people there say, it's too late, it's too far gone, there's nothing even you can do but aren't they in for a big surprise? Now, let, let, let's, let's look at this. Go back through the passage and take a look. That's, that's sort of the overview there. I think Mark chapter 5, this miracle within the miracle, is, is sort of a summary of the entire Bible. Let me see if we can get this right. The Bible says here in verse number 22, that there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jareth by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her that she may be healed and she shall live. This, this man is a ruler of the synagogue, but he's coming to Jesus because he's not a follower of Jesus. He is seeking out the Lord because he's not been in company with the Lord. There's a great multitude thronging him. There's a great company following him. But it looks as though this representative leader of the Jews isn't part of that company. In fact, the only thing that, that 
created in him any desire at all for Jesus Christ was the fact that my daughter's going to die. And I'm not, I haven't been interested in this man's teaching. I haven't been interested in helping him with his work. I haven't been interested in devoting myself to, to being his follower. But I got nowhere else to turn. My daughter's going to die. And I heard maybe this man can help me. And so I'm going to go and show him reverence and respect, but not necessarily faith. Man, does that not summarize the entire Old Testament as you read about Israel's relationship to God Almighty, they don't want to follow him. They don't want to obey him. They don't want to serve him. And it takes bringing them to the very point of death for them to ever grudgingly or out of desperation turn to him for help. Isn't that a fact? You read the Pentateuch, you don't see a lot of faith on the part of those people. You read Joshua and Judges, it's a disaster. You read the kings and, and there's a, a brief revival here and there, but only if an enemy army shows up or a famine hits. Isn't that right? And so here's this man. He is, he's almost forced to turn to Jesus because he has no other option. And Jesus, because he's gracious. He doesn't hold it against this man that he's not been loyal. He, he doesn't criticize the man for not being a follower. He doesn't rebuke the man. You know, every sick person in Israel was a testimony that they were disobedient to God. The charismatics have perverted the, the Old Testament law in trying to force it on the New Testament church. But the verses they misuse in God's law to the nation of Israel, he said, if you'll obey my law, I'll heal all your diseases. I'll put none of these plagues upon you. I'll put none of these sicknesses upon you. So every person in the gospels that Jesus needed to heal was a testimony that the nation was disobedient. Isn't that right? So here comes the representative leader of a disobedient people who are suffering the consequences of failing to obey the law and yet Jesus in his grace Jesus and his mercy is willing to help if, if just one day out of your life you want to look my way and acknowledge me and bow before me and ask me to help, I'll help you. Praise the Lord. And so he sets out for Jairus' house. But before he can get there, before he can get there, a certain woman. You know, your Bible's a funny book. Here's this entire story of the patriarchs and right in the middle of Genesis, we stop and tell the tale of Hagar. Here's this entire story of coming through the wilderness into the promised land. And right in the middle of the story, we stop and tell this story about, hey, about uh, 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 Rahab the harlot. And now we're building this kingdom and, and we've got the land and, and Saul's going to get on a throne and David's going to get on a throne. But, but time out. Let's talk about this Moabite woman named Ruth. All through the Old Testament, you have these little glimpses of fallen, desperate, unwanted, defiled women who, who break the narrative of Israel's history to find grace in the eyes of the Lord. Praise God. And here's one here. This woman has an issue. This issue is slowly dragging her to the grave and she's been sick as long as Jairus' daughter's been alive. 
Look, look what happens in Genesis 11, that Tower of Babel, when they built the tower and the top of that tower could reach to heaven. 10, 9, 8, 7, anyway. Just something to think about on the way home. So when God goes down, He scatters the people and they build that tower. He sent, he sent some people that way toward Asia and some people that way toward Africa and some people that way toward the Americas and some people that way toward Europe. And then he called that little group of people, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, 12 tribes of Israel and said, now here's, here's what we're going to do. Well, Lord, what about all them? I, I, I'll get back to them. So your ancestors, they don't have any scripture. They don't have any patriarchs. They don't have any high priests. They don't have any Moses to lead them out. They don't have any Passover lamb. They don't have any serpent on the pole. You assume that everybody in history knew what you know because you were born in a country where you can get a Bible at the Walmart store. Your forefathers didn't know anything about God, Romans 1 says, except he's great, he's powerful, he's the creator. Look at those stars, he's bigger than you, you better repent. That's a fact. So this woman, she representing Gentiles, she, she's dying. She's been dying as long as Israel's been alive. Long as that nation's existed, the Gentiles have been on their way to the grave. And the Bible says she had suffered many things of many physicians, had spent all that she had, and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. And so you know what, you know what our, our people have done for 6,000 years? They've carved images into gods, and it hasn't made them any better. And they've worshipped the sun, moon, and stars, and it hasn't made them any better. And they've invented sacraments and rituals and ceremonies, and, and they've burned people in sacrificial altars. And, and they've built temples and, and, and yet they just get worse and worse and worse and more depraved and more degraded with every passing year. That's a fact. The world is a disaster and it's not a disaster without religion. Religion's everywhere. But it doesn't make it any better. It only makes them worse. And so, so here's what happens. This woman who's dying, this woman who's tried everything, this woman who spent everything, and she's dying and she knows it, when she heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Now listen, this is, this is really great. This is God in his mercy. This is the advantage of not having a law. This is the advantage of not having a scripture, if I dare say it. This is the advantage of not having a priesthood or an altar or a temple or a history. Do you know where the Bible says, touch the hem of his garment, you'll be made whole? Nowhere. She just made that up. Do you know whoever preached, get to Jesus and touch his clothes and that's all you got to do? Not one prophet ever preached that. Jesus didn't send one disciple out to tell anybody to do that. She just said, I'm going to die. If I can get to Jesus and grab his clothes, I'll live. That ain't the Bible. It's not even in a modern version. She just made that up. Come to the altar. Not in the Bible. Bow your knees. Not in the Bible. Say the sinner's prayer. Not in the Bible. 
Drive the Romans road, not in the Bible. Get on the bus and come to Sunday school. Neither one of those are in the Bible. You know what the Lord lets us do? Just come unto me and I will give you rest. Him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. You don't have to know what you're doing. You don't have to do it right. Just come to me and I'll help you. Praise the Lord. And there, there's a hundred people in here tonight that got saved in a way somebody here thinks you can't get saved. Amen. I used to go to these camp meetings. I, 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 must, I must have got saved 30 times. Preacher get up and say, if you, if you weren't crying when you came to the altar, you're not really saved. So I'd go up there and rub my eyes till tears came out, man. I, I want to be saved. You got to spit out your gum. You got to kneel on both knees. You got to face the east. You got to cross yourself backwards. And Listen, I'm not trying to be critical. Most of what we do to try and close the deal, somebody just made it up. It, it is not in the Bible. And you know what? Jesus Christ will save you. Isn't that a blessing? This woman, she, she just said, if I can get to that man, he'll help me. And he did. And you know what? Some of you, some of you now... Some of you guys, you've been in the Bible so long, you have a hard time preaching the gospel because you've got to get redemption in it and propitiation in it and, and justification in it and the blood atonement in it. And you know something? You didn't know any of that when you got saved. You're trying to make people graduate a class before they can get born again, and you didn't know nothing when you got saved. Some of you eight years old in Sunday school. If the teacher had said, stand on one leg till next week and you can go to heaven, you'd have done it. That's a fact. He said, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The gospel is Christ died for our sins and was buried and rose again. If you believe that, the Lord will save you. If you come to an altar or don't come to an altar, if you pray correctly or don't pray correctly, if, if when they sing the song, it was on a Monday, you don't have any idea what day it was, you can still be saved. That's us. A bunch of clueless Gentiles, and God doesn't expect us to have a clue because he hadn't spoken to us in 4,000 years. That's a fact. So she touches his garment, and straightway, <laughs> straightway, it's not a process. Straightway, it's not a program you got to go through. Straightway, it's not a class you got to graduate from. As soon as she got to Jesus, by faith, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. What was killing her that morning was no longer killing her that afternoon. Praise the Lord. That's salvation. Now listen, that, that, that Jew, bless their heart, they come down that altar, they bring that animal, they bring it to the priest, they cut up the animal, he's built the fire, they say all the right things, they say all the right prayers, they, they burn that animal on the altar of sacrifice, and that Jew heads home that night, and his boy says, well, now we're we going to heaven, Daddy? And he said, no, we got to come back and do it again next year. How long have you been doing this, Daddy? 70 years. Well, Daddy, when will you know you're going to heaven? Well, you really, really can't know, son. 
That woman knew that day, Jesus made me whole. All, every religion in the world, including the one God ordained, Judaism. You cannot get up in the morning and not know that you're going to heaven and go to bed at night knowing that you are. But Christianity, Christianity, you can be born again in a moment of time and have eternal life the same day you're on your way to hell. Praise the Lord. Straightway, straightway. And Jesus, now, now this is another thing. You, I can't find this anywhere else. And that's why I think this woman's a picture of, of the church. And Jesus, immediately knowing himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and saith, who touched my, my clothes? Verse 33, the woman fearing and trembling, knowing it was done in her, came and fell down before him. Now, this is a strange thing. When Jesus cleansed lepers, they went home without leprosy. When Jesus gave sight to the blind, they went home seeing. When, when Jesus healed crippled men, they went home walking and leaping and praising God. But when this woman touched the hem of his garment and was made whole, the Bible says the virtue that was in Jesus Christ went out of him and into her. That's different. He didn't just heal her. He put what made him holy inside her. He put what made him righteous inside her. He took the life out of his own heart and put it in her heart. Praise the Lord. He didn't give you a ritual. He didn't give you a sacrifice. He didn't give you a bunch of feast days. He gave you his Holy Spirit living inside you. It went out of him and into you. Isn't that amazing? There's not another miracle like that. Something's going on here that's bigger than this woman. Now, look what the scripture says. This, this is pretty neat. He says, um, verse 26, uh, 31, 31, his disciples said to him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, sayest thou who touched me? And look round about to see her that had done this thing. So, <laughs> I can't get over it. This happened to me in December of 1976, and I can't get over it. There, there's this person named Jesus Christ. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. You believe that? He holds all things together by the word of his power. You believe that? There's millions and millions and millions of people all day, every day, wanting to talk to him, some saved, some not saved. And that, that December morning in Daytona Beach, Florida, I called on the Lord. And out of all that multitude thronging him, he stopped everything he was doing to look right at me and make sure we got this thing settled. Isn't that amazing? The day you got saved, the God of all creation suspended all other activities to make sure that you knew that he heard you and that you and he now had a relationship. That's incredible. That, that, really, that, really, is, that really is amazing. Anybody else in the world say, you know, look, I got a lot to do. I, I, maybe I can see you next week. But the one who had more to do than anybody's ever had to do stopped everything he was doing to save your soul when you came to him by imperfect faith. 
What, what a Lord. What a Lord. And so the Bible says in verse number uh, 33, but the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said, daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace, behold thy plague. So here's what happens. After she comes to Jesus and after he makes her whole, they begin to converse and have a relationship. That's pretty neat. She learns all about herself. She learns all about him. They talk together. And then, oh, I like this. She just disappears. You look at verse 35, well, what happened to her? She's just gone. Where'd she go? It doesn't say. She just vanishes off the scene as quick as she came. You know what's going to happen to us? Are you saved? Maybe tomorrow morning, your next to kin are going to say, where'd he go? The news will report, several hundred people went to church last night and never came home. Cars still in the parking lot. Leftovers still in the kitchen. They're just gone. We don't know where they went. That's, that's pretty neat. And then, contrary to a lot of people's theology, you know what happens after this woman disappears? The Lord hasn't forgotten the promise that he made to Jairus to come to his house and heal his daughter. So he picks up right where he left off when he stopped dealing with Jairus' family to help that woman. We believe that every promise God made to the Jew concerning the Jew is going to be fulfilled after the church departs. Amen. It's going to take more than a video to change my mind on that. Amen. You watch one video and decide you can survive seven years of great tribulation, you're, you're pretty gullible. You know what I want? I want a preacher to be honest and say, I, 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 I now believe that the rapture is going to be after the tribulation, and I believe the church, our church is going two months into the tribulation and die. Don't you think, I mean, having read Revelation, I'd say that's a more theologically accurate statement than we're going through the tribulation. You can't get through three-day power outage after a hurricane. You say, well, we got some beans stored up. You want this generation to do if they see you eating and they got no food? They're going to kill you. That's what they're going to do. Anyway, so just if you're going to change your theology, change your terminology and say, I believe we're going to die in the tribulation. <laughs> Be more. Anyway, so verse 36, verse 36, or 35, while he had spake, there came from the rule of the synagogue's house certain which said, thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? Now, if we're going to take this as the dispensational picture we're looking at, by the time the church is raptured, it, seem, it would seem that even Jesus Christ himself could not fulfill the promises God made to Israel. The Presbyterians believe that. 
The Catholics believe that. Many Baptists and fundamentalists have come to believe that. I don't believe that. If he can raise an individual from the dead, can he not raise a nation from the dead? If he's going to resurrect everyone to stand at the white throne judgment, can he not resurrect the people? Well, they said, no, it's too late. It's too late. Too far gone. Verse 36, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, saying, Peter and James and John, the brother of James. I find this significant. A multitude was thronging him. But by the time the, the woman, the church is gone, and he returns to his, his promises to restore Jairus' daughter, Israel, we're down to a remnant. A very small remnant is still following out of a great throng and a great multitude that once followed him. Where'd everybody else go? And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and seeth the tumult and them that wept and wailed greatly. There's some serious tribulation going on at that house by the time Jesus gets there. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. Well, she certainly looked dead to everybody but Jesus. She certainly wasn't showing any signs of life. If you were to stand and say to a, to, a, to a group of people who had missed the rapture because they did not receive the love of the truth and you saw the beast branding them and the beast armies exterminating them and armies encompassing Jerusalem to the tune of millions and you stood up and said, this nation's not dead. This, they, oh no, oh no, they're, they're going to have all this land and they're going to have this city and they're going to build their walls and they're going to set up their kingdom and David's going to sit right there on his throne. Who would believe you? And the Bible says they laughed him to scorn. They thought it a joke that Jesus could help this family as far gone as they were. But when he had put them all out, you know, you know, people don't believe this, but if you read Matthew 13 and 22 and other places, there will be people live through the great tribulation and when Jesus gets back, he's going to throw them in the fire because they're not fit to be in his kingdom because they didn't have any trust in him. Well, I just believe we're going through the tribulation. You better do more than go through the tribulation. <laughs> you got to go through tribulation and be looking for Messiah's coming. Not many Jews will. So there's the picture right there. He gets back. Here he is at the house where he said he's coming. But he put out those who didn't believe. And he takes the father and the mother, damsel, and them that were with him, and entered in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha Kumai, which is being interpreted damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked. For she was of the age of 12 years. Now, that, next, look at the next phrase. They were astonished with great astonishment. You want to see, you want to see the difference? This, whoever wrote this Bible is really smart. And I don't think it was Mark. I think it's the Holy Ghost. I think these words are inspired by God. If that woman, as we've suggested, if that woman pictures the church, you know when she got help? When she believed by faith that Jesus Christ could help her. 
You want know that, you know that family of Jairus representing the Jew? You know when they got help? When Jesus came and helped them, and I can't find anybody there that believes it. The father doesn't have faith. The mother doesn't have faith. The daughter's dead. She doesn't have any faith. The people following, they got put out because they laughed the whole thing. They thought the whole thing was a joke. Jesus Christ is going to restore Israel, not because they're faithful or repentant or believing, but because he said he would. Because he promised. And people abandoning the doctrines of the restoration of Israel and the coming kingdom of Jesus Christ with the sons of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as the head because they look at Israel's unbelief and they say it's a dead religion, it's a dead nation, they don't have any faith in God. It's not required. It's something God promised he would do. And he's going to do it. You have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for the saving of your soul. That nation doesn't have to believe anything. God's going to do what he said he'd do in spite of their unbelief. Whoever wrote Mark knew that. And the scripture says, <laughs> verse 43, charged him straight that no man should know it and commanded that something should be given her to eat. So the woman, she receives this cleansing, healing, life, and imputed virtue, and then disappears. This, this girl, this family, they receive life, and the Lord stays there, and they have dinner together. It's different. Two places in your Bible, and then we'll let you be on your way. It's been a, been a long evening, I understand. First Thessalonians chapter 4. First Thessalonians Chapter 4. Are you saved tonight? You say you're born again Christian. Did you come to Jesus in a way that maybe you wouldn't recommend to others? <laughs> I got hundreds of biographies in my library and all kinds of books on church history. And I used to read those church history books and I would wonder if anybody was saved before me. <laughs> it's like, that's not how you do it. That's not how you come to Christ. <laughs> I hope you understand what I'm saying. Verse 13, but I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, because we got enough of them. <laughs> we, don't, we don't need any more ignorant brethren. <laughs> Concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others would have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and that's it. You see that? If we believe Jesus died and rose again, that's the gospel, 1 Corinthians 15. Even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, oh I hope it's tonight, which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. We are going to disappear. The story of the church is going to come to a very sudden conclusion. Boom, gone. Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37. Now what about that, that Jairus? What about his daughter? What about that house? What about that, that meal? Ezekiel 37, verse number one. 
The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of, a, of the valley, which was full of bones. I don't know which would be more terrifying, flying through the air or landing in a boneyard. Pretty freaky. And caused me to pass by them round about. Behold, they were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? Now, look, look, look up here just for a second. If, if you and God ever meet face to face, and he ever asks you any question, I'm going to show you the answer. What, whatever it is God asks you, this is the answer. And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. <laughs> That's the right answer. What are you asking me for? <laughs> You're God. And he said unto me, prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And the Lord, uh, thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. Now listen, listen, I'm not a Calvinist. I don't have a Calvinist cell in my body. You've got to trust Christ as your Savior. You've got to be born again. But, but if this passage is dealing with the nation of Israel, dry bones bleached in a valley can't do anything the only thing going to bring these dry bones back to life is the prophetic word of God falling upon them. Okay? So he says, I'll lay sinews upon you and will bring flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and ye shall live and ye shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, as I, as I prophesied, there was a noise and behold a shaking and the bones came together, bone to his bone. <laughs> now that'd be scary. Any of you remember the amplified version? How many, no, it's been a long, I'm old. The amplified version was, I mean, it was that big. And they, they put every possible rendering of a word in the, in the verses it just it went off. Nobody ever tried to memorize the Amplified Version. <laughs> but the Amplified in Ezekiel 37, 7 says, and the knee bone connected to the thigh bone, and the thigh bone connected to the hip bone. And the <laughs> and <laughs> you, you could sing about that in church, a scripture, scripture song. <laughs> and when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. So look, God puts the body back together, but it's not alive yet. Then said he unto me, prophesy unto the wind, prophesy son of man, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. And the breath came unto them, and they lived and stood up upon their feet an exceeding great army. Then he said unto me, look, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, just like the crowd in Jairus' house, our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. Therefore, 
prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. And ye shall know that I am the Lord uh, and when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves, and shall put my spirit in you, and ye shall live, and I shall place you in your own land, then shall ye know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. Jesus deals with this woman who's been dying as long as that little girl had been alive. And when she comes to him by faith, he heals her, he cleanses her, he puts virtue inside her, he talks with her, she talks with him, and then she's gone. And then he comes to a house of death. And there's no faith there. But according to his promise, by the word of his power, he raises that girl to life and she doesn't disappear. She stays right where she is and she doesn't vanish to go off to some place the Lord's prepared for her. She sits right there in the house and they eat together and fellowship together. And I think Mark chapter 5 is a picture of Genesis 12 to Revelation 20. Israel, 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 excuse me, I've got to deal with this woman here. Church, hallelujah. Church is gone. Now, where was I? Oh, yes. Israel restored to life and fellowship. One by faith in God, the other by God keeping pledge and keeping promise to a people who had no faith. Israel's not the church, the church is not Israel. God's not through with the church, but right now that's who he's working with. But he's not through with Israel. And as soon as the church is taken out, he will fulfill every promise he ever made to Israel, whether they believe it or not. Amen. So the Bible's not all conviction. Some of it's fun and enjoyable. Amen. Heavenly Father, bless your people tonight. They've... they've had a long evening in the church house, and, and it's been a blessing to be together. Pray that your word will encourage our hearts and strengthen us. Lord, help us not be tossed about by every wind of doctrine, but to cling to those things that our, our, our people have always taught and believed from the Bible, not give them up in these, in these last days. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor. You've been listening to the Students of the Bible broadcast with Brother Kevin Keeter. Tune in with us next time at this same time as we continue to study the Bible. You can also find us on our Facebook page at Students of the Bible Broadcasting.